Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Monday, UN week. If you don't have to come into Manhattan, don't come. It is a zoo, John. I can't believe how wall-to-wall the traffic is. It is nuts. It's a zoo. Uh, they just stop uh, entire streets. Right now, I just got a uh, uh, bulletin. Police have cut off all pedestrian traffic on Fifth Avenue. Oh, How my goodness. Oh, my goodness. By the way, we I have was... a, And we have a dinner tonight at the pier. How are we yes, getting into it? Yes. We're going to, uh, I guess we're going to hitchhike, right? <laughs> so I, 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 I drove in. It wasn't too bad for me. I got to 49th Street on the FDR. You know, it depends where you are. Uh, exactly. Where you are on the It depends where you're coming from. It depends where, you know, they just... Exactly, yeah. I was, I was lucky. It took me a half hour to get across town to do the five blocks across well, town. Well, with us today... But overall, wasn't that With bad. us today, we have Bill O'Reilly. Yep, the great, of course, host of Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly here on WABC 9 to 10, mega best-selling author. His new book's coming out, actually, really soon, Killing the Witches. And I can't wait to interview him and have him here on the show to talk about it. Uh, Bill... Take it away. You know, it's really, first off, what do you think is going to happen with all this stuff with the U.N. this week? Uh, there are so much uh, protests tomorrow. There's supposed to be huge protests over the Iranian leader. I mean, this is going to be a zoo. Well, it is every year, um, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. I feel sorry for the cops. They have to deal with this kind of stuff. And the best advice is to... Um, just forego Manhattan for a week. If you have to work and you take mass transit, you should be okay. But if you have to drive in there, and I think, you know, Congressman King is a special angel watching him. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> like, uh, he needs to play the lottery. <laughs> but um, I'm interested to see what Biden's going to say tomorrow. Um, speaks. Uh, that's the highlight of the, you know, the American president speaks. He's got Ukraine, obviously, got to be number one. But if I know Biden, he's going to veer into global warming uh, at the progressives' behest. But we'll be watching that speech very closely. Yeah, and in fact, already some excerpts have come out hinting he's going to talk about global, you know, climate change being uh, the big threat. Um, Bill, you also wanted to talk about the border because this is this horrible case about fentanyl and this daycare that happened in the Bronx where the one-year-old died and the others exposed. Well, we've talked about this before on Cats and Cosby. What I don't understand, and maybe somebody can explain it to me, is that in these neighborhoods, this one in the Bronx, everybody knows where the hard drugs are being dealt. Not like the people who live in the neighborhoods don't know about the drug traffic because it's out on the street. You can see the drug addicts. You know where they go. Um, It's blatant because they're not punished now by our criminal justice system. Drug dealers are not considered to be heinous felons anymore. It's insane, but that is true. So I was expecting when you have four children, one dead, three in the hospital who were in daycare, but it was really a front for a drug operation. 
that people in the neighborhood would come out and start to scream. I mean, scream, get these drug dealers out of here. But you don't see or hear that very much. And I don't understand why. Yeah, that's is a there an apathy? Is there an apathy in our country now, uh, uh, Bill? Is there, is there well, people that don't know what to do anymore? Uh, I mean, to the point that we don't know if we should laugh or cry. Maybe they're afraid, but four babies, one being killed by fentanyl, the other three hospitalized, and they're never going to be the same, these kids, even if they recover. And, yeah. and not, there's no community reaction. So we're doing a show, and you guys know it, on October 7th, uh, Rosenberg and O'Reilly at the Huntington Theater, um, the Paramount Theater in Huntington, Long Island, a live show. And, and the theme of the show is the New York state of mind. And part of that, is going to be, I'm going to tell you about my Levittown upbringing. And Sid will tell you about his Brooklyn upbringing and, and what the values were there. What happened there? Because it mirrors everybody's lives. In 1968, when the hard drugs came into Long Island in the middle of the Vietnam War, drug dealers were pariahs. They, they weren't glamorized. It wasn't any super fly or any of that. We knew who was selling. Everybody knew. And, and the cops were told by the people who lived in Levittown. But apart from that, the teenagers who dealt drugs, they had no constituency. They, they were shunned as evil people. You sell poison, you're evil. I don't care if you've got a million excuses. You sell fentanyl to somebody, you're evil. You need to be punished. You need to be isolated. All right. But that doesn't happen anymore. And that is part of the decline of our city and country. Yeah. You know, you know, um, Bill, what I was done, too, I was seeing that at this location, at this daycare, they actually this is while they had a surprise uh, check on them. They passed the check, they said, last month. And then when the cops came in and busted after this horrible uh, ordeal happened, Bill O'Reilly, they found a kilo press. Uh, and, um, also they found about a kilo of fentanyl. I mean, are you kidding me? That's that. Think about how dangerous that is. The two well, problems. One of the things that happens in these drug neighborhoods is that people are paid off. Now, I'm not making any accusations here, but it's certainly possible that this daycare center could have gotten a heads up that somebody was coming in to look at them. Yep. That's what and, I was thinking too. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is New York City here and the drug. Industry has tentacles everywhere, unfortunately. But again, I go back to the community. If every decent person in New York would rise up against this stuff, it could not happen. But we don't. There are two, Bill, it's Richard Weinberg. There are two big problems with uh, fentanyl, besides the fact it's coming through an open border. Narcan. That miracle process doesn't help with fentanyl. That's number one. It won't save their lives. And number two, even a small amount of fentanyl could wipe out hundreds, maybe thousands of people. So this is very serious business when it gets into the communities. And you're absolutely right. Why there isn't outrage in public demonstrations against this, I have no idea. And, and the people who sell it sometimes, Judge, don't get held on bail. <laughs> well, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. If if I were in this bill, if I were in the state legislature, the first bill that I would introduce is to make this uh, 
a capital felony. You, because it's that did. dangerous. It's that dangerous. And, but, and, and not only that, but heroin and crack cocaine. And, but then you're into the progressive left going, oh, the incarceration industry. Oh, you can't do that. Mass incarceration. Because a lot of minority criminals deal with this kind of stuff in these neighborhoods. And it's all a bunch of crap. If There's six weeks. Any, any six. courage at all, those that no bail thing would have been gone a long time ago. Six weeks to city council election, 51 out of 51 seats. I don't see anybody getting excited yet. Yeah, and they should because there's a lot on the table, John, as a you're bringing up. A lot on the table in city council. I, I mean, the other important thing, UAW, and I want to hear what's going on with this UAW, and uh, I want to hear Bill O'Reilly's opinion on it, and then we'll go to Congressman King. All right, so look, the problem with, all of the workers, and I'm including my union, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild after union. I've, I've been in there for 40 years. The problem is that the prices to live have increased so much under Biden. I mean, have you looked at your car and health and house insurance bill lately? Some of them triple. All right, and food and gas and everything else. The worker has to make more money. Yet many of these companies, they want to cap it at 2 3% a year. It's not going to cut it. So there's a worker revolt, but it's, it's not being put on or uh, reported accurately. It's because the workers are falling behind because the prices are spiking in necessity. That's what's happening. But you know what's interesting, Bill, and I want to hit on something that John hit on, is that if they weren't losing so much money on, on the electric, electric cars. Yeah, maybe then they could give the raises, you know? Ford Ford is losing uh four, four and a half billion every thirteen weeks. Uh, uh General Motors is losing three or four uh every thirteen weeks. I mean, uh if they weren't losing so much money they can afford to give a raise. And, and they're being subsidized by the federal government. Don't forget that, too. Imagine if they weren't being subsidized. Yeah, big bucks, big billions, actually. What is it, like $9 billion or something that they got? And no. they still lost $4.6. Uh, Congressman Peter King. Yeah, Bill, just going back to what you were saying before about fentanyl, I agree with everything you said. Anyone who deals fentanyl, to me, that is such a heinous, rotten crime, and they're evil people. The only excuse I can make for the people not doing more is they feel like maybe the cops can't do anything anyway. These gangs are so powerful in, in their neighborhoods, and they end up retaliating against them. It's the only excuse I can give because, again, you know, we can talk about it. The only one, not the only one, the main people being hurt by this are the people in, in these neighborhoods, and they are unfortunately silent. Maybe they're just terrified. That's all I can think of. Well, that's true, but there are mechanisms around that. And the mechanisms are in the churches, in the local precincts. I mean, you can drop. Uh, dimes on people anonymously, Congressman, mm-hmm. you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can organize in churches, and there, if there's 3,000 people out in the street, that's going to overwhelm these gangs. It reminds me, though, of the movie On the Waterfront. You have to get enough people out who are willing mm-hmm. to do it because the first few people may get knocked off or may get beat up, whatever. But I agree with you. It should be done, but maybe there's just not that you know, community spirit that should be there because they are, well, they are being you killed. Get, you get four babies. I mean, you need, what do you need, 40, 400 babies? What do you need? I have no idea. I don't live in those neighborhoods. I can't understand it. I would think, listen, if we'll have a town like you said, people would be up in arms. But also, in those days, it was different because the cops could really act then. 
Well, I don't know. That's a separate discussion about the police. I mean, the police need to do their jobs. And if Bragg and the other DAs throw it out, they throw it out. But the cops, I mean, I don't think there's any excuse for cops looking the other way when crimes are committed. Bring them in. And if your precinct commander gives you a hard time, call me <laughs> anonymously. Bravo. Call me anonymously or call Rita Cosby. We're on the radio every night. All right? Absolutely. Well, on every night between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock at WABCradio.com, BillOReilly.com, and uh, worldwide. And um, I look forward. What are you going to talk about tonight? Well, we're going to uh, Joe Biden could solve all this uh Family finance stuff in an hour. Just release your bank records. Just let the committee chairman see your bank records. Why, why won't you do that? Instead of setting up a war room in the, in the White House to fight all of this stuff, if you didn't do anything, show them your banking records. Yeah, great points. <laughs> great point. Well, we can't wait. We're definitely going to be tuning in tonight, Bill. Can't wait. All right, guys. Thanks for having Thank me. you. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we get Ambassador John Bolton to find out what's going on in the world. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Obviously, a huge week at the U.N., and everybody talking about the fact that the Iranian leader is going to be speaking this week. And this comes as just a few hours ago, you saw the American hostages in this prisoner swap uh, get off the plane in Doha, Qatar. Uh, and guess what? Guess what they also got uh, over there on the other end of the spectrum? Well, uh, the Iranians got six billion bucks. And joining us now to talk about all of this is Ambassador John Bolton, former U.N. ambassador. Uh, ambassador Bolton, it's Rita Cosby. Great to have you here. What is your reaction to this Iran deal? I mean, this just I, I, I am so concerned about other Americans around the around the world. Yeah. Well, first, uh, let me give my condolences to the people of the city of New York for this week that uh, has already begun to unfold when <laughs> Thank you can't you. drive on your own streets and, <laughs> and uh, foreign potentates t- take over the uh, entire city, the, the borough of Manhattan. It's a, it's a Friday's almost here. That's the best I can say. Pray for us, Ambassador. With, pray. <laughs> just continuing with bad news, though, this this deal with Iran is a disgrace. And uh, obviously everybody uh, is glad these people who have been released, the American citizens, they were unjustly detained by Iran. There's still plenty of others who are unjustly detained by Iran and other countries around the world. But, you know, the responsibility of a president is to keep all Americans safe. And when you have this kind of money, and, and by the way, the exchange of Iranian prisoners for these five unjustly held Americans you're putting a price on the head of the next American who's going to get kidnapped by terrorists or a foreign government like Russia or China, Iran, North Korea. Uh, it's really blatant uh, that the administration has made this trade. They made a trade for uh, Brittany Griner uh, some time back, and, and now this. It, it really, it's a for sale sign on American citizens overseas. John, this is Pete King. To me, the most ridiculous thing of all is this uh uh, allegiance that uh, $6 billion is all going to be spent on humanitarian needs. I mean, tell you, what, you know, uh, cash is fungible. This is $6 billion to a terror regime. It's an absolute disgrace. 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, you know what what the Iranians will do with this, I think, is rub it in our face. Uh, they've put the government of Gutter, which is in effect holding this money as escrow, in a bad place. They'll come up with a plan that they say is humanitarian. They'll get the six billion dollars, and then they'll spend it on whatever they want to spend it on, or else cover it up with accounting tricks. Because, uh, as you rightly say, you can move money around that way. But you know, it is the the what makes it even worse, in my view is that the Biden administration is boasting that it traded the $6 billion for the American hostages. I, I would be happy if they happier if they said it's not really a swap, it's purely coincidental. Uh, that might be a little white lie, but at least it wouldn't encourage others to say the Americans are prepared to deal in hard dollars to get their people back. Mr. Ambassador, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. Don't you think this is coming attractions for the fact the Biden administration is trying once again to resurrect the old deal, and they're not calling it a deal now because they don't have any influence by the United States Senate in reviewing it. What do you say about that? No, I think you're right. It's, it's been very difficult to understand exactly what's going on in the negotiations, but I think that this, this unfreezing of $6 billion of frozen assets uh, is a way of giving Iran some sanctions relief. Uh, coupled with that, the for two and a half years, the administration has not enforced the sanctions. Iran has been selling considerable amounts of oil to China. Uh, it's almost back at pre-sanctions levels and getting rid of, uh, uh, of, of, this, of the oil that they otherwise couldn't sell internationally. And at the same time that the administration is uh, easing sanctions enforcement, we still have the unresolved issue of Rob Malley, their chief Iran negotiator. Uh, whose security clearance, security clearance was taken away by the Department of State back in April for for unknown reasons at this point, even as he continued to conduct official duties after that. Uh, Congressman Mike McCall of uh, Texas, chairman of the House Foreign uh, Affairs Committee, has been pounding on the administration to tell them what's going on. Uh, it, it's uh, it's very disturbing. And, uh, you know, you don't want to speculate about what uh, this uh, this uh, Rob Malley may have been doing, but the idea that the person entrusted with our negotiations with Iran uh, has been deemed unworthy of holding a security clearance, at least pending the investigation, wow. is pretty disturbing. You know, I want to ask you about Robert Levinson, too, because he is also he there. He was a constituent of mine. I know his family oh, very well. So, so, so Pete, um, Robert Levinson right. is still over there. I mean, you pay $6 billion dollars. Uh, you get five right. uh, bad guys out, if you will, for five good guys. And you, Robert Levinson is still there, Pete. It's still there. And, you know, John may know more than I do, but, I mean, I was never able to really get to the bottom of it. Other than the fact, I have no doubt Iran knows what happened to him, if he's still alive. Uh, it's, a, it's a disgrace, and it's just been hidden for so many years. No, Pete, you're exactly right. And it and it uh, it shows the, really the unfairness of all this, because some people have been languishing or their fate has been unknown for for many many years and uh, we've got paul whalen in moscow who was taken by the russians unfairly in 2019 uh he he didn't have a lobbying campaign back in the united states to spring him uh but Brittany griner did and 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 now she's out and we've turned back to the russians the notorious arms dealer victor boot for goodness sakes who's now going to run for the Russian parliament so he can support Vladimir Putin. Uh, you know, this is the U.S. should make every effort it can to put pressure on governments or terrorist groups that seize our people. It is a responsibility to, to try and protect them. But you don't put other Americans in danger by these kinds of uh, hostage swaps or, or really just 
flat cash payments to release them. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, uh, we're going to hear from the president of Iran this week, the sanctioned president coming in on the sanctioned plane with a visa from Joe Biden. You can't make it yeah, up. Well, <laughs> I hope I hope some of the reporters who are going to going to meet with him. And I think the Council on Foreign Relations has actually given him an invitation to speak, uh, asking why he has attempted to murder American citizens on our own territory. Yours truly included. Uh, and continues to do so. It's not just me; it's several other people. And yet, we're we're inviting. He's he's been invited to uh, events in Manhattan by American organizations. Just unbelievable. No, unfortunately, unbelievable. I know all about that. I know about you know, very personally that you're right about American citizens yeah. being targeted. Yeah, unbelievable. Ambassador Bolton, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you for speaking out for our country. God bless. Thank you. Good luck in New York this week. Thank you. Pray for us. Thank you, Ambassador. And joining us now, we have Mark Lytle. He is the attorney for the IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley. He was the supervisor, remember, who courageously testified before uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, Mr. Lytle, the big news, of course, that the IRS is being sued by Hunter Biden. Uh, You can't make this up. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Um, It's really... It's really a shame. And, um, you know, it's a frivolous smear by the Biden family to go after these whistleblowers, even though they've sued the IRS. That 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 complaint takes aim at the whistleblowers. It actually takes takes aim at the, the attorneys, too, who, who have carefully advised them along this path that Congress has passed through the laws to provide whistleblowers a path to bring forward evidence of misconduct, maladministration, taxpayer abuse. And um, so it's a smear and it won't stop them from speaking. It won't stop other whistleblowers from coming forward like they what I believe they intend to do Mr. with this lawsuit. Mr. Lytle, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. I just want to say, but for your client and the other whistleblower, we would never know the truth of this. The phony deal that was put before the judge would have gone through. The fact of the matter is a great public service has been done by your client and his colleagues, and they should be commended. And the very fact that they found this lawsuit is just another attempt to intimidate them. It's hard, aggressive tactics to intimidate. What say you? Uh, Judge, first of all, thank you for your comments, and I'll pass them on to my client, Gary Shapley, and uh, also to Joe Ziegler, the other whistleblower. Uh, But you're absolutely right. Um, It it came out last week that the uh, Biden family attorneys uh, had been uh, lobbying the Department of Justice to criminally prosecute these whistleblowers for this kind of violation. And actually, in the documents that they self-disclosed, one of the one of the prosecutors references with them in a communication that they're not going, they don't believe it's a violation. So they lost out on there. And then, if you recall, during the run-up to the plea at the uh, U.S. District Court in Delaware, uh, they filed a motion to seal the House Ways and Means materials that were filed with the court. And maybe most people don't realize it, but after the plea had been uh, wiped out properly by the judge, uh, the judge denied that motion and allowed those documents to come free and said that they hadn't presented any evidence to show a violation of the type that they're trying to allege now in a civil suit. So it's a smear tactic. It's tough tactics, trying to be a bully, trying to prevent people from coming forward and saying what, the, what is right. And but for these brave whistleblowers coming forward, uh, this back alley deal with the Department of Justice may never have come to light, um, and it probably never would have, but for the, for the bravery of these whistleblowers.
Well, bravo. Keep up uh, the fight and keep us posted. Uh, I agree with the judge. Uh, they did an incredible service just to get it out there into the public. Uh, attorney Mark Lytle, who's the attorney for Gary Shapley, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you, you very much. Have a good evening. Thank you. And coming up, we've got Ty McCoy coming let's up. Got, uh, let's uh, take a break, and uh, we've got Ty McCoy with us and uh, a special surprise. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And also, this is a biggie because uh, it is the Air Force birthday today. Here we go. Here's the Air Force song. 76 years. Happy birthday to all the heroes of the U.S. Air Force. We love you. I love this song. And joining us now is a proud member of that. He was also the assistant secretary of the Air Force. Uh, also graduated from West Point, and we love him. Uh, of course, had staff assignments, Europe, United States, and Vietnam, uh, the esteemed Ty McCoy. Uh, Ty, first of all, happy birthday to the U.S. Air Force. How, how awesome is that? That's awesome, Rita. Thank you very much to you and Katz and your team. It's a great day, and got a tremendous Did, 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 did you find it. the stealth bomber yet? <laughs> Well, uh, the F-35 disappeared, but we, we do have the stealth bomber, uh, and we have a new bomber, uh, the B-21 Raider, which is uh, stealthy and has a flying wing shape that has just recently been unveiled to help take the place of uh, B-52, some of which are 70 years old and still flying with new engines. and B one. Yeah, some of the children of... Uh, uh, pilots who flew the B-52s are are flying B-52s today. Uh, maybe even grandchildren. I can't quite remember, but it's quite a a famous uh, workhorse. Uh, eight engines, you know, when it was first came out, four on each wing, uh, and uh, it can fly low, although it's a little bumpy at 200 feet uh, out across the uh, you know uh, Midlands to practice uh, here in the U.S. And uh, but it was mainly designed to be a high level. Uh, strategic bomber and of course over the history of the air force there's always been this tug between uh different elements of the air force in terms of priority for building uh bombers or building fighters you know there's the bomber mafia uh the fighter mafia and then over time there grew up inside the air force the space mafia to get ready to do more in space which led <clears throat> to a breakout and the establishment of the space I understand they're, they're putting in some Rolls Royce engines on the uh, on the new B fifty twos. Wow, that's yes. that's uh, high tech. I mean, seventy yeah. years old. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. Seventy years old. Well, and Ty, yeah, by the way, I want to say a personal shout out. My father was rescued by the U.S. Armed Forces, which was the precursor, of course, to all of that. Well, that's great. Yeah, there's a tremendous history of uh, uh, search and rescue. Uh, rescue behind the lines of uh, airmen. Uh, some of the most dangerous uh, jobs uh, that exist are going behind the enemy lines with uh, aircraft, helicopters, and bringing back uh, something that is critical to any wartime success and effort, which is the search and rescue of, of the pilots that we used to nickname the Golden Arms because. Mm-hmm. The golden arm of a, of a U.S. fighter pilot uh, 
to get that arm ready to navigate that fighter aircraft would cost uh, 10 to $15 million to get the right person in the cockpit with the right training wow. at the right time. So it's expensive uh, talent and, of course, a moral hazard to let any of those uh, airmen or airwomen uh, have a... Uh, a, a very difficult captivity. That's a yeah. Th- thank you, by the way. And it, to me, I am obviously so grateful for what they did for my father. Um, you know, I want to ask you because John was hitting on this. You this this plane. It's an F thirty five fighter jet. Uh, it, it went over like the guy ejected in South Carolina, but they can't find the plane. That's I mean, they find you know they find these videos. You can zoom in on a license plate, but now we've got an F thirty five missing. <laughs> Explain how that happens, Ty. Well, it's a pretty scary in its own way. It's sort of like the Chinese balloon flying over us and a bunch of balloons, and nobody knows anything about it or doesn't say anything about it. And uh, it's interesting, uh, the history of um, uh, what has happened. I was just reading something about it the other day, and it, it happened in South Carolina, off the coast of South Carolina, also off the coast of Georgia uh, in uh, the 1950s, where a B-52 was flying and was uh, damaged. And it was carrying a lot, not a lie, but it was carrying a hydrogen bomb, not an atomic bomb. But it ejected the bomb before it tried to make a landing. Uh, and it, it landed off Tybee Island, off of Savannah in the river. Uh, and that hydrogen bomb, uh, whether it was fused properly or not, no one can seem to find out for sure. But it is still missing today. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, I said that I said that to a lady, uh, and she says to me, "Well, it's a stealth bomb; you can't see it." <laughs> Wait a minute, that sounds like a blonde joke. Wait a minute, John. <laughs> yeah, you can't see it, but you can feel it. <laughs> John, thank you very much. We're all laughing. You're terrific. Thank you, and happy birthday again to the U.S. Air Force. Here we go. You know this well, Ty. Thank you, Ty. Well, uh, we're going to need the U.S. military to help, I think, Chicago, because the big question is, will Chicago survive, John? Uh, and joining us now is the former superintendent of police there in Chicago. He was the deputy uh, commissioner of operations in New York. He's also now currently the chief of police in Willow Springs outside of Chicago, and he was also in Newark. And joining us now is Commissioner Gary McCarthy. Really great to have you here. And uh, John, uh, is, is Chicago any better, Gary, or, or they're going to roll up the sidewalks? I, um, it's not any better. It's it's been a lot. Illinois, in general, has become a, a lawless state. Chicago, in particular, is a lawless city. Um, the the the, the the ongoing stories that you hear every weekend are ridiculous. Last weekend, there was a police officer making an arrest. Guy comes running up behind him and hits him in the head with a bat, basically rips his ear off um, while he's trying to make an arrest. I mean, they're, they're just, you know, there's, they call them teen takeovers when they have these mob actions downtown and hundreds of kids converge and they break windows and they loot stores and do things like that. They're called teen takeovers. It sounds cute. Sounds cute. The mayor now says the city of Chicago is going to open up their own supermarkets. Does that mean when people come in and get everything for free uh, that they don't stop them when they get out? You know, they're not stopping them now. 
(laughs) The retail theft is going on like crazy. Just 20 kids run into a store and just take what they want. Gary, this is Pete King. First of all, great to have you on. Always good to hear from you. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, not to get into politics, but how was the more progressive candidate for mayor elected in view of what was going on in Chicago? Um, The progressive have, have a ground game. They've got the Chicago Teachers Union and the SEIU, and they all basically work for the the Cook County Commissioner uh, President, President of the Board, Tony Preckwinkle. So they had a ground game. They got out there, and they were bringing people to the polls and making sure that everybody voted. Wow. And unfortunately, you know, the, the silent majority who voted in the primary uh, didn't all vote in the general election because they thought it was a lock. Wow. And that's the mayor who now recently came out. And when the media said, what about the mobs breaking into the stores? He didn't want to focus on the. No, he said that. He said, don't call them a mob. Yeah, don't call them mobs. Right. He was playing semantics. We have to be careful how we talk about these mobsters. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, please don't do that. I mean, that was the most. Yeah, I want to ask you also, everybody, we're talking again to Gary McCarthy, uh, who is deputy commissioner of operations in New York. Also, the former commissioner there in Chicago. Uh, Gary, you know, this is amazing to me. I was seeing that uh, today, uh, Illinois becomes the first state to abolish cash bail. I mean, is there anything else we could do to Chicago? Um, yeah, just stop locking people up at all, because, you know, it, it, just like we see the, the stories about uh, I- illegal entry into the country and these people who are undocumented committing heinous crimes, and obviously not all of them, but you know the stories that stand out when they commit a rape or a violent crime or a murder, and just like that, over the weekend, they were letting people out of jail. Now, you know, these are apparently, quote unquote, indigent people who didn't have enough money to make cash bail. They're going to disappear into the fabric of of crime. And we're not going to find them until we catch them for another crime. They're not going to return to court. So it is just mind boggling that we would even consider such a thing. It but is. This is a state. This is a state of confusion that we're in in the state of Illinois. Yeah, how dangerous! And, and and can Chicago survive through this? I mean, between everything we're talking about, and now also, I heard that the Chicago mayor saying, "Well, New York is basically doing a pretty good job with the migrants. We want to mimic that. A pretty good job." <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it, it's. I I just I don't understand this. It's got to swing back at some point. The question is, are we going to be able to fix the damage that's being done now, or is it going to take decades? I'm concerned. I have a six-year-old. I'm concerned about the world that we're in. I know I married a much younger woman the second time around. But the bottom line is, I'm really concerned about the world that we're leaving to my son. What's going to happen in 10 years if this is what's going on? Just the, the education standards in in first grade have it that, you know, there's a whole percentage that, you know, this this whole thing about not telling parents like they're going to in New Jersey, if kids want to want to declare that they're transgender. But what's going on? It's it's it so a sick. The world has gotten so sick. Gary, you were in New York. I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. Go ahead, Peter. No, Gary, you were in New York when the crime wave was able to be turned, stopped and turned around. Is there any yeah. chance for that happening again? I mean, New York is going the wrong direction. Chicago is really in the wrong direction. Do you, as a career, you know, police genius, really. How do you see it going? 
I, I think it's going to take a while before it happens. This progressive agenda is crashing the country. It's crashing cities across okay, the country. Will too much damage have been done by then? I, 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 we can recover. Think, you know, think back to the early 90s when okay. we had 2,245 people murdered in New York City. That was the high point for crime, and it became enough is enough. And then our friend Rudy Giuliani came in. He brought in Bill Bratton, Ray Kelly, and so on and so forth, followed in his steps. By the way, God rest his soul, Howard Safer. Yes, uh, oh, we loved him. Just passed away. He, he's the guy who made me deputy commissioner under Rudy. Oh. So, I mean, th- those were the days when there was aggressive police work was being done. We didn't do everything right. There were some bad situations, and they were tragic. But the number of lives that were saved by policing over those years is overwhelming. And we're giving it back. So, uh, Gary McCarthy, back. let me ask you the $64 million question. When is Chicago going to say enough is enough? Because to Peter King's point, they voted in somebody who was a lot softer on crime, who's you know playing semantics on mobs, and they had a guy who was definitely going to be tougher on crime. They picked the other yeah. one. Yeah, you know, the problem with Chicago is it's politics. It really is. Um, they're very parochial. Uh, I was able to get a foothold here. Uh, I'm set, I, at least 10 people a day, every day since I've been here, say, my God, we wish you were back. Um, but you know what? That doesn't carry the day. People have to get out and vote. It's the politics here. You know, the other thing they say to me is people come up to me who I've never seen before, and they say, my God, you got thrown under the bus. And I say, well, why do you think that was? They said, because that's what we always do. And I said, well, how's that working out? And they said, that's so good. And if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. And that's what Chicago does over and over and over again. Are any, do you have any migrants in Chicago or are they scared to come over there? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're seeing the same headlines we see. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they they're, are. They're they afraid are, of the yeah. gangs. The migrants are afraid <laughs> of the gangs. Yeah, they're afraid of the MS-13. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. They are here in overwhelming numbers, and you know, I, I mean, I'm just it, 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 this again is really perplexing to me. I think that we should be an open country, but you have to go through a process to get here. You can't just walk in. And we have no idea who you are. Even remember, remember the Godfather Part Two when they showed up at Ellis Island and they would get hit with all that powder right. to make yeah. sure they didn't have anthrax or something. I mean, we don't even well, go Well, I suggested right to the mayor that we take Rikers Island, rename it Riker, uh, Ellis Island 2, and send everybody over there and, and vet them. Yeah. They have to be vetted. Yeah. There's no way that this should be going on. And, well, and you. you know, what diseases they're bringing, God only knows. Nobody knows. Uh, what a mess. Well, we are going to pray for Chicago. Thank you very yeah, much, well, Gary. And thanks, thank Gary. you for everything thanks, you did for New York. And thank you Great for what you did voices. Thank you. Great hearing from you. God bless. Thank you. Let's take a break right now, and when we come back, Al Senator Al D'Amato has a few things to say. I'm Here sure he does. does. <laughs> it's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back. Uh, everybody, John, talking about also the uh, the new dress code. Did you see this at the Senate? To accommodate John Fetterman, who wears the hoodies. I mean, that's just crazy, John. It, it is just yeah, nuts. But, but I was told there was no dress code uh, ever. Uh, it, it's just, uh, I guess everybody wears what they want to wear, but there was no real official dress well, code. Well, it was in the House. They would stop you if you walked in without a tie. They wouldn't let you in the House door if you never Really? Yeah. In the uh, House yeah. representatives? Yes. 
Like the 21 Club. Now, the Senate, I never understood the Senate. <laughs> yeah. You can ask Al D'Amato what goes on in the Senate. Yep, and I'm, joining us now is Al D'Amato. We've got the senior senator. How are you? I'm very good. And and once again, Congressman Pete King has got it right on the head. You had to have a jacket and a tie um, in order to come onto the Senate floor, in order to participate. And let me uh, uh, tell you something. Chuck Schumer is one of the smartest, keenest political minds that there are. So you would say, well, why is he doing this for this guy Fetterman who wants to wear his hoodies and, and wear his sweatpants and sometimes his shorts and wants to be able to walk around wherever? I'll tell you why. Because we're coming down to a point in time when we may face a government shutdown. And every vote in the Senate becomes critical for the Democrats, more critical, given the fact that you have Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, and you have Christian Cinema, a Democrat from Arizona, who's already, I think, changed her registration to independent. And both of them, they can't count on. And the last thing Schumer needs is somebody that he can't count on who the Republicans will challenge if you don't change that code. So this is a very brilliant move on Schumer's part to say, let's let him have the opportunity to vote without coming in with a suit. It's strategically smart for him to do that. Uh, Fetterman owns him or owes him, and um, he uh, gives his party a better chance during the negotiations with the Senate Republicans, even if Manchin strays, you follow? And even if Cinema strays, but he has to have that vote from Pennsylvania. That's a really That's interesting that. point, Senator. That that real. Let me ask you though, from a from just your personal perspective. Don't you think it, it lowers the decorum? You're always dressed oh, a dapper, you know, but, but I think there's something you want to be dignified when you go to the Senate, you know? You're, you're absolutely right. And I'm telling you, that's why Chuck is going along with this because he's looking ahead strategically that he may need Fetterman there. And, and what does he do if he comes in with this without getting this? exception without without changing this rule that the republicans will vote to stop him from voting and 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 they'll win they'll win they will not permit him to vote so that's why he's doing this now and and strategically uh you're dealing with one of the smartest political minds that there are in senator schumer that's why he would do this do you think he personally thinks that that's the right thing for people to walk around like this guy is doing. He's a <laughs> disgrace, this guy. But that's up to the people of Pennsylvania. Well, let, let's, talk about, let's talk about something more important. What else is bothering you about New York? About New York? Oh, my God. It, it, you, you have a governor um, who's, who can't even get to meet the president. She should be shooting at him right now. They're saying, Mr. President, um, um, you have to close the borders. You have to secure them. 
You have a mayor who's complaining, but you made this a sanctuary city. And he goes down there and he can't get to meet with the president, who was his buddy. The two of them should get up and say, Biden, secure the border. Stop this. And if you look and see the news of the day, it's frightening. You, you, you got 2,000 people coming over in one area. This is just going on today. You look at the news. In one area in Texas, that's in just one area, 2,000 in a day. And, and, by the way, we don't even know who they are. Nobody can check them. How many are criminals? How many are working for the cartel? I mean, this is, and then we wonder, and you see the welfare rolls going up in this country, and who's paying for it? The working middle-class families are having this burden. I mean, it's, it's about time that the mayors of these cities and that the communities and that the people of the United States get up and say, Mr. President, secure the border. You know, um, Senator, I want to ask you, too. That's the biggest crisis this nation faces right now. Yeah. By the way, I agree. Uh, You know, Senator, I want to ask you about the fact that uh, they are talking about cutting the city services. We're talking police oh. overtime, fire department. And I don't know if you saw this, Senator Aldemato, uh, but there are two socialist state lawmakers who are itching to impose new tax increases uh, to cover the migrants, a new migrant tax. I, I mean, oh. you can't make this up. No, nope, you can't. And what's happening to our schools and who's paying for it? You know, the homeowners, the property owners, etc. they're paying for it. Thank God that we had Nassau County and Suffolk County said, no, we're not taking the migrants over here. And I give hopeful credit. She didn't collapse on that one and, and, and insist. But it's about time that Democrats, independents, liberals, Republicans can come together and demand that the border be closed. We should have a border be closed party. Yeah, you get a place like Flora Park where you have 800 migrants there at Creedmoor, literally right on the edge of Nassau County. I know that, you know, Bruce wants to keep them out as far as living here. But I tell you, if I were living in Flora Park or New Hyde Park or Lake Success, I'd be very nervous right now. Yeah, yeah. And what happens, uh, um, uh, as you pointed out, that the kids who have to go to schools, these school districts, they can't handle this. This is the school districts today in New York are under incredible pressures. And that's a whole other conversation for how we have allowed the teachers unions to take over. And, and 70% of the property taxes paid in Nassau County, you know where they go? To the schools. So all of the roads, all of the services that you get, um, um, the, the, the sanitation pickup, uh, uh, the, all of the, the parks, whatnot, that's only 30% or less. And, and, and you have superintendents getting paid $500,000, twice as much as the governor, with huge staffs. Incredible. Over, over $30,000 a student. How come? Yeah, that's this is craziness. It is crazy. Oh. Uh, Senator, we got a we got a heartbreak, unfortunately, but we want to just say thank you. You are always thank terrific. You, Senator. We love having you on. Good talking to you. Great being with you.
Oh, thank you. Wow. What a, what an interesting day, you guys. And John, uh, pray for us, obviously, uh, with the UN traffic. Maybe we have the luck of the Irish, uh, the luck of Peter King. <laughs> and, uh, and John, what do we all stand for, you guys? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.